You're about to enter the most electrifying NFL talk show you have ever experienced. From up-to-the-minute news and notes to... <sighs> Who am I kidding? It's a wrap. Let's try this again. It's the After Further Review Podcast with Connor Forrest. Want to get involved? Send us an email to mailbag at connorforrest.com. For your questions to be read on air. Welcome aboard, everybody, wherever you are, on this beautiful spinning rock we call planet Earth. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. Whenever you are listening, this is After Further Review, episode 13. We are in the teens. How about that? Our podcast is a teenager. My goodness. It's great to be with you all, as always. I am your host, Connor Forrest. As always, joined by my executive producer, Mr. Sean Olette. Shawnee boy, how the hell are you? Sean? Ah, yes. It's just me today. How about that? I know. Shawnee boy is out tonight. He had some engagements he had to get to. He is working early in the morning. He was traveling for most of the day today. So I said, Shawnee, I want you to sit down to get yourself something nice and cold. To get yourself a beverage. I want you to put your feet up. I want you to tan for me, first of all, and go buy yourself those Speedos you were looking for. I want you to do that. I want you to treat yourself right. I will take over tonight. So I will be your shepherd to this flock. We'll walk you through this evening's proceedings. But I got a really fun episode planned for you guys today. Tonight we had a really, really special guest. I had so much fun chatting with and catching up with. I think you guys are really going to enjoy him a lot. Mr. Grant Paulson from 1067, the fan in D.C., host of Grant and Danny, NBC Sports Washington. He did Capitals pregame, Capitals postgame. He was the play-by-play voice for the Washington Valor. He's done color commentary for the Washington Nationals. He works for MLB Network. He just... There's nothing Grant has not done. I I think I said this to him. I always joke with him about it. I, I think the only thing he's got left to do now is, I think, just put shingles on his back and start start fixing roofs. That's about it. But Grant joined us for the episode today, um, and we just had a great time catching up. We talked some NFL. We talked Costco. Um, we talked life. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. For those of you who don't know who Grant Paulson is, he... Uh, introduces himself, you get to know him a little bit better. He's just a, such a fantastic guy, a great guest, um, a great friend, um, really knowledgeable. He worked on the beat for the Washington Redskins um, in 2012. We had a great time chatting. So uh, what we're going to do is today, we are going to take Moving the Chains, and I'm going to pin it up on the wall. And we're going to hold it there for next week. 
We're going to punt on moving the chains for this week. And I'm going to bring you Grant Paulson directly. We talked for a while. We talked about everything under the sun. Um, So I think that'll cover our moving the chain segment while Shawnee is gone. Um, But I think you guys will really, really enjoy it. I had so much fun chatting with him. Um, And hopefully you guys learned some stuff. And um, he's he's always a lot of fun uh, to chat with. So Grant Paulson is coming your way on episode 13. Um, again, we'll be back fully. Uh, Sean, again, will join me next week, um, and we'll get right back to our regularly scheduled. You know, I got through the word regularly. I was really struggling. I, I said it odd initially. It was like a slow. I got through it, but it came out very slow. Regularly. That's how it should have been said. I think I said it slowly, but I got through it. So I'm glad I did. But we will get back to regularly scheduled programming. I did it again. It's remarkable. Well done. I'm two for two tonight already by myself. And I have no one here to congratulate me in studio. God, I'm going to fire Sean. I think I should. I'm going to put up that poll officially, should I fire Sean? I think I should. Hopefully he's down getting Tanner and relaxing and being happy and just spending some time by himself tonight. He deserves it. But uh, he was traveling from Richmond back down to North Carolina, so... Um, that's, uh, that's a hefty drive, but knowing Sean, he probably didn't stop for lunch. So we're going to have to ask him. I'm going to have to ask him next week. Did he stop for anything good to eat or did he just bring his tank of water? And, uh, is that what propelled him all the way to North Carolina? We'll talk with them. Uh, we'll chalk. There we go. So there's the word I messed up on. meant to say talk with him. I said chalk. We're going to talk with him next week. That's better. And we'll get our answer. Um, but I'm going to bring you guys Grant Paulson right now. So much fun to chat with. Graham Paulson from 1067 The Fan joins us on After Further Review next. Welcome back to After Further Review. I'm super pumped to be joined by Mr. Grant Paulson, host of Grant and Danny Show on 1067 The Fan here in Washington, D.C. You can catch Grant. Uh, in the D.C. area, 2 to 6 on weekdays, 106.7 The Fan, or anywhere you are on the Odyssey app. I have the Odyssey app. Only you need to download that as well. You can catch Grant. Uh, but Grant is here. Thank you so much for hopping on the pod, man. How are you? My pleasure, Connor. How you doing, man? Dude, I'm doing great. It's always good to chat with you. Uh, I uh, I hear, I believe, you were, you were texting me, you went to a, a minor league game tonight. Is that what you were doing tonight? Yeah, I went to Bowie, Maryland. First time I'd been out to Bowie to see the Bay Sox this season. They had the Orioles, double-A uh, affiliate plays in Bowie, and they had their debut at home for the top pitching prospect in the organization, Grayson Rodriguez, who is their first-round pick a couple years ago, who sits 99 with his fastball and touches 101, and he's just nasty, and he was throwing to their catcher of the future, uh, Adley Rutschman, who was the first pick in the draft a couple drafts ago for them. So two of the better prospects in baseball playing in Bowie and 30 minutes from where I was. And uh, I was excited. So went over there and took the kids for the first time to their, uh, their game. Uh, I had my daughter's two and my son is six months and uh, she'd been to one game pre pandemic as a infant. And uh, obviously my little boy had never been to a game. So, uh, played dad and uh, chased them around the ballpark a little bit as I tried to watch some ball. It was fun. I love it, dude. No, it was great because start of the show today, I could hear you were pretty giddy. Sounded like you were giddy about getting out there and uh, checking it out. Now, my question to you is, 
what uh, what what food options did you take with you to the stands? Um, was it a chicken tender situation? Was it a corn dog? Like what what was the menu for Grant Paulson? It's a great question. So you know what happened was I got there right at first pitch. So because I had to dart over from the studio in DC, I mean I was booking it. Yeah, and I was going to say to Bowie. Yeah, you were. Yeah, booking. I, I don't get to games late now if i can't help it you know there's nothing i can do but in this case i tried to make sure i got there and sure enough i was sitting in my seat for first pitch now that ends up being foolish and just ridiculous because again i was there with my kids and i end up during the game like taking my daughter to get ice cream and walking her around the little kid area and then i'm chasing around a mascot to get a picture at one point uh super cute it was just a different experience but um i say all that to say that i sat down and pretty much when I went to get food, it's like a new world, man. I was just, you know, whatever kind of thing she was saying she wanted or needed. So the things that I ate during the game were like kind of something I got her to try, you know. And oh, yeah. So I got um, some funnel stick fries, a funnel cake, like stick fries, basically. Wow. Those were, uh, I would say, a nine and a half out of ten. They were hot out of the fryer with some um, powdered sugar on them. Oh, and yes. then we got some kettle corn. So it was more like snacking. Okay. Uh, I didn't really do dinner at the game, but uh, yeah, normally I would go chicken tender fries and like yeah. French, you know, French fries and chicken tenders or um, like the basket they do. Or uh, I might go straight like old school, go like hot dog with, with some boardwalk fries or something like that and wash it down with a nice Coke Zero. Oh, dude, it's just I got to tell you, I don't know. I don't know what it is. A ballpark arena, like whatever it is, ballpark chicken tenders. You can't replicate them. Like, I, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, maybe it's the fact that they put everything kind of in the same fryer. So you get the fry taste as well. Like, I don't know what it is, but it just hits so, so nicely. Um, Great. That's just yeah, the go-to. You, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know enough about stadium stuff to probably, like, make this call, right? But I think it's just, like, the it's got that fryer taste and smell, you know? Yeah. Like... <laughs> probably like they've been getting after it all day long in the fryer you're getting like the 800th chicken tender they've done and probably makes it all the more better but yeah i i just that's my go-to has been for years and it's funny is i'll never really eat chicken tenders or order chicken tenders in any other context like Mm. i'm not going to a restaurant ordering chicken tenders i'm not 11 i haven't done that since i was (laughs) you know in middle school probably but if i'm at a stadium I would say my batting average on ordering chicken dinners and fries is over 900. That's remarkable. That's Hall of Fame numbers right there for the record, just just so you know. You know who does that move, by the way, the ordering chicken tenders uh, at restaurants to this day? That That's my wife. She, she does oh, this really? Move. Oh, she does this all the time. It's, it's, it's one of the funniest things ever, right? So we'll go out. Like, does Amy. it matter what kind of restaurant you're at? Or is Dude. it just like if you're at a sports bar or what? I've seen her pull it off. Okay. I've seen her pull it off at a great American restaurant. Now you you've met Anna. She is, she is a cook. Like she legit. I mean, she is a mad cook. I mean, she can cook anything incredible. Um, And I mean, she just knows flavors. I mean, she's very like, and she'll, she'll order dishes. She'll break it down for me. And I'm just sitting here, you know, just scarfing down what I'm eating. I don't care. I'm just a man of survival. I have seen her pull the chicken tender move situation so many times. And honestly, I, I think that's when I realized that, you know, I married the correct woman because there's just something about 
chick contenders that a hit that like again you're the nostalgic feeling of yeah i'm a kid again but b it's like i've just i don't think i've ever had well actually mcdonald's found a way to screw them up i really haven't had bad chicken tenders in quite some time but the chicken tender basket of the ballpark is just it's just such such a move um you know what i killed for dinner i don't know if you have any file on the um do you have a file on the costco the street taco kit from costco i do actually yeah so Anna comes home tonight with a whole whole packet of street uh, street tacos and she's run out the door and, you know, she she has maybe one or two of them. and She sets the whole thing out for me. She goes, hey, you know, this is yours. You can heat it up, do your thing. Um, your, your boy killed about eight of them. <laughs> yeah, those are strong. And those are the ones like that come in the tray. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly it with the tray. You got the like lime crema, you get the salsa. Yeah. Oh, dude, I am not long for this world, Jeepers. I mean, you know me at this point. Uh, I'll, I'll probably be checking out of here at like 56. There's just so many good foods out there that I just, I can't, I can't see myself living longer than that, but I'm here for a good time. So yeah, never- the pandemic, you know, I, I've, I got to start making some better decisions because I, you know, I was at home and, and a lot happened, you know, we got a new house and we had a new baby and, and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, you're just grinding your stress. So I, I put on some weight myself and, um, yeah. you know, just ate terribly. So I really need to, uh, to start making some better healthy decisions here coming up to drop some of these LBs. But I will say that I have been enjoying all of my favorite foods way more often lately than before when I was eating pretty good, but we're fairly new to the Costco game. Mm, So like we, we, so my wife worked at Trader Joe's, which is like an incredible store for people listening who haven't been to a Trader Joe's. It's like super cool. And they have, she was an artist. Uh, who did like hand art and painted signs for them in every store. Did she really? Yeah. Oh, I always comment on the art there. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Yeah, so it's really neat that they do this. So people that don't know, like most stores, you know, you just have little, you know, whatever the the label is for, for various things, but they actually have designed art in different sections and, you know, fun little sayings and they get creative and depending on where the store is, you know, if it's right at, you know, Springfield where all the, you know, mixing bowl, they got all the signs for 395 and 495. It's just kind of a neat little deal to, you know, mix it up and make you feel it like you're in a, a mom and pop shop or whatever, even though you're, you're at a massive chain. Well, anyway, so she was an artist for Trader Joe's and, and the, the employees at Trader Joe's like love Trader Joe's. I mean, they, oh, yeah. you know, everyone that's ever worked there, you know, they never want to leave or go home and they just think it's the best thing in the world. So I say, say that to say that we, we go to Trader Joe's a bunch and we're big fans of it. And anytime they get a new product, like we got the flyer on the fridge and like, we're trying it. So I've always been reluctant to like get a Costco membership Mm. because my thought on that counter was like, well, we're kind of married to Trader Joe's and we go there a lot you know I, i'm a convenience guy when i shop anyway so like yeah. i'm just gonna run to food lion like a mile away and get what i need i'm like we don't need to also do costco but my wife talked me into it and i'd never been there and i went with her one day and it's like a freaking amusement park dude it's I mean, an it's adult insane. daycare dude and like i i ate you know their pizza everyone's always raving about i'm like there's no way it's that good it was freaking awesome you Remarkable. can get like a big bucket of you can get like a football helmet full of like vanilla ice cream for like 89 cents you know it's just a, it's a really cool place and like it's got its own niche you know it's not the same trader joe's is like 
comparatively, you know, very small and has its cool quirks. And like Costco is a massive warehouse where you can get 800, uh, like, you know, Reese's cups for 42 cents or whatever. It's just, I don't know, man, it's cool. I'm into it, but I, we're, we're new to Costco, but I'm learning, you know, about all these uh, different options. But the, one of the few that we have already experienced, because uh, my wife loves tacos, is the taco tray. Oh, just the best, dude. I mean, me and Anna got into them recently, and we have been murdering them. I mean, we, we just uh, literally no regard for humanity. We just go in there. And I mean, I think we've honestly, we went through a stretch maybe two or three weeks ago where I think we just got it maybe twice a week. It's like 13 bucks. I mean, you couldn't get. I mean, and it feeds four people, right? But for me, it feeds Anna, and then I'm the other three people. But, I mean, dude, it's just, you, you know, you go around. I mean, have you had the chicken bake in the food court? Chicken bake in the food court is one of the top five items you'll ever consume in your life. I don't think I have. Is this oh. something that they serve? Because, like, since I've been going, it's been, like, pandemic rules where they're not. Or do you mean something mm-hmm. that actually is, like, prepared is a, you can buy? This is a food home. court. No, this is a food court item, right? This is where you get the pizza. Dude, I'm going to have to. We're going to have to go. And I'm going to have oh, to get you. Oh, you know what? I, okay, so someone told me about this. It's like a. Because when I was ordering the pizza, now that I'm thinking about it, it's like. It looks like some kind of, like, rolled up, like, yeah. uh, calzone or something Bingo. like that. Yeah, it's like a big, kind of like a baguette, but it's stuffed kind of thing yeah it sounds incredible it's the best dude it's the best costco is costco's the greatest came from a family of, of eight eight guys i mean you've seen my house you've, you've you've met the family you've seen how how large we all are and costco my dad i think got a membership like right after his his wedding because he understood like you know we have eight kids it's um costco's just essentially the only move ever so, so god bless my parents as i've gotten older i've started to realize how the hell they 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 ended up uh yeah, I can't all of us. imagine because just keeping the fridge and the freezer stocked now is a pain for us. And we've yeah. got, you know, like I said, a two-year-old girl and a six-month-old boy. So I don't even know how these families do it. I mean, I came from a family of four. Uh, we've talked a little bit about I got two older brothers and a younger sister. Mm. And just the respect that you have as you get a little older for your parents, like making it work. It's crazy, man, because... You know, my wife just does so much. Uh, I'm working a lot and she's stay at home mom. Uh, but even the little bit that I feel like I can pitch in and accomplish and, and do, you know, it's, it's exhausting with two. And <laughs> I think about doubling that. I just, I can't even imagine. Yeah. And I remember you saying when you work, when you do the shows remotely, you'd be at home. And I remember you saying how cool of a dynamic that was where you like, you were able to like over the year during COVID, like it was a tough time for everybody. Obviously it was, it was tough, especially in the sports media market. It was tough, but watching, you know, being able to be at home and you were saying just watching your kids grow and being able to kind of spend the days in and out with them, especially during kind of Reagan's really young years and then welcoming in, you know, your, your newest one. Um, pretty awesome, man. Pretty awesome. And uh, I know yeah, going to a, cool. to a ball game tonight. I mean, that just kind of sums up, you know, you kind of live in your childhood out through your kids as well. And you just kind of feel in the circle of life, come back around again. It's a good feeling, huh? Yeah, it's really neat. So specific to the game tonight, I mean, uh, you know, I, your heart just melts because you always think about it as a huge sports fan growing up. Some of my best memories are watching games with my mom or going to games with my dad. And you're like, one day I'm going to have my own kids to go to a game with. And then 
your daughter sitting on your lap. And she kept asking. She kept turning around. She was so excited. Is this a baseball game, Daddy? This is what you like? This is a baseball game? I said, yeah, Reagan, this is baseball. And so, you know, by the end of the second inning, she's like cheering with everyone when you get a, a ground out and, you know, screaming good pitch. So it was just really cool. Now she hit a wall like an inning later. <laughs> but, you know baby steps literally yeah. and figuratively um but yeah about being home for the pandemic i think a lot of people could probably relate to this i mean it's kind of how you view it right there were definitely some drawbacks and there were things that were difficult there were obstacles in terms of still getting the most out of work and kind of you know being as productive as i normally am because you know it is a little bit distracting and you do battle this feeling of Sure. You know, you're home and you want to be helpful to your wife or you want to be, you know, a a dad and and your kid comes down and they don't understand that you're at work. You know, they think you're home. It's time to play. It's like, that's hard. But the best thing in the world that happened for me was the timing of it because I'm normally gone so much and I, you know, didn't do nearly as much. I mean, I lost a few gigs because seasons shut down or, you know, places scaled back or whatever. And on top of that, I broadcasted almost everything I do, TV, radio, whatever, from home. Mm. So that meant that from her, you know, right around half a year, whatever it was, a little over, to almost her second birthday, you know, I was there for everything. I, I might have missed, you know, her first step or her first word or, you know, what are these little things that in the past my wife would text me and be like, you won't believe this, look at this. And, you know, it's the cutest thing ever and you wish you were there. And I was there for all of that. And that's invaluable. And, I'm, you know, hopefully I'm lucky enough that I'm around for all those, you know, milestones for true and for all my other kids. But like, you don't know. And I just know that yeah. that was the coolest thing and I wouldn't trade it at all. I'm back in studio now. We have been since right around opening day, like April 1. But, yeah. uh, you know, that that's part of just being a, a big boy and having a job and putting my adult pants on. I mean, people have been doing that since <laughs> the beginning of time, going out and supporting yeah. the family. But, um, you know, whether your father, mother going out working and someone else is staying home or the kids go to daycare, like people got to work. So I'm doing that now, but I, I am so thankful for the chance I got to you know, stay home with her for so long. Yeah. I mean, you maneuvered it so well too. I mean, the shows were all fantastic and then getting back in studio. I know like you could hear it in your voice. I remember like you just going back, you just feel giddiness and excitement to get back in the studio. But I mean, you, you really did. I mean, you and Danny both, I mean, did such a great job remotely kind of figuring it out. Danny and his like laundry room was just the funniest bit ever. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, it, you kind of just, just did what you had to do. And it was, um, it was awesome. It was awesome. And it's, uh, I'm glad. It. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm glad we're on the up and up and back to, to getting to baseball games, bring your kids to baseball games and, getting out and about to the park. Um, but, uh, and like I said, I know it's like, I mean, literally, so great, literally from two to six, he does shows. So I, I felt like so guilty even texting him. Hey man, you want to jump on the pod? Like you talk about sports at four hours a day. I'm asking you to talk about sports again. <laughs> so I'm like, I just feel bad about that, but you're just, you've always been uh, really generous with your time. You've always been, um, you know, so easy to, to just hang out and, and talk with and um, found that since I met you. So I, I always appreciate it. And um, I know everyone's going to just enjoy listening to you on the pod. And, um, but I, I want to ask you um, 
the first question is kind of about you. So most people who live in the area, um, they, you know, they know who you are. I mean, Grant, Grant's resume is like the New Testament. I think he's had every gig in Washington. <laughs> I, I think I think he might. I think the only thing you might not have done is um, laid sheetrock. I think that might be something you do next month. But he, he's he's just done a bit of everything. And um, and people in the D.C. area just know who you are. But I, I want you to give us a little background on Grant Paulson for people who are outside of this area. So how you got into hosting Afternoon Drive? Um I want you to tell our listeners a little bit about you, your journey, and uh, I definitely want you to touch up on how 11-year-old Grant Paulson found your way on Dave Letterman. I know people enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, so there's kind of like two chapters, I suppose, so to speak. So I-, I got real lucky at a young age initially when I was about 10 years old or about to turn 10 years old. I was arguing, talking sports at a family picnic my uncle who lived in Pittsburgh had come down to uh, my other uncle's house in Baltimore and we were all sitting around talking shop and my uncle did morning drive radio in Pittsburgh and was legendary and iconic up there um he did a show that kind of beat out Howard Stern in that market and super popular there were a it was a rock station WDVE but the show he did where they they played music but it was a lot of you know, it was guy talk. It was a lot of bits. It was a lot of, you know, they themselves sure. played instruments and came up with their own songs. And it was really, really just old school, good radio. Um, very, very popular. And we were kind of arguing that he's a huge Steelers fan. And I was a, you know, at the time they were called the Redskins, a, a Washington football team fan. And uh, so we were going back and forth about the two teams and you know, I think in, when, when you're in radio, like I am now, you know, every experience you have, you're kind of viewing through this lens of this would be cool on the air. This would be a good show bit or whatever. So I think in his mind, the, the light bulb goes off. Like this would be funny to have him on at nine years old with this squeaky voice to break down games. And so that's what happened. I mean, he knew that I watched all the games and knew all the little stats and players and their numbers, memorized all these things. I didn't have a life. I mean, I just was obsessed with sports and, you know, most people want to play sports and I kind of already honestly like would fake announce games at home and, and just thought that was the coolest thing ever. So he had me on to do football picks one time on his station in Pittsburgh. Um, subsequently, I started doing football picks like weekly for him. He called me his sports bookie. I would come on and give the betting line. I mean, this is like 1998, 99 um and i was by the way you had the the best haircut at that time i still think that haircut straight up bowl cut bro bring it back man bring it back just the best look of all time i really want to see allison's face when you walk in with the with the bowl cut oh she hates those old school pictures of like she always jokes like we would not have been friends um (laughs) but uh but yeah it was just a straight up like hardcore bowl cut but um but yeah, so I did the, the interviews, you know, weekly and as his sports bookie in the local newspaper wrote a story and I uh, got a good response. So I started writing these little columns for them in this like weekly paper in King George County in Virginia, where I'm from. And then uh, the local TV station, Channel 9 out of D.C., uh, did a, a story and got a good response. So they started asking me to, to come up and do like Friday picks, you know, like 540 on the news for like two or three minutes in their sports Um broadcast you know during the football season so like little things like that were happening and then from there I guess it was that uh you know Letterman is a CBS affiliate uh and so is Channel 9 so you know one of their talent bookers 
saw at some point, you know, this, this skit and bit we were doing. So yeah, they had me on to uh, talk sports with him. And over the years, I got to do all kinds of cool shows, real sports. Brian Cumble did a story and, you know, Letterman uh, ended up going up there seven times and doing the show six times. And the, the, the my best experience and the coolest story I have is actually from the time I went up there and got bumped. I uh, didn't even get to, to go on the air that night. Um, but I went on from, I think, age 11 the first time through age 17 the last time when I, you know, got rid of the bull cut and was no longer uh, young and cute. <laughs> and so that was kind of like the first like chapter of my career, this like child, uh, you know, stat guru kid thing that whatever that act was <laughs> that I kind of <laughs> uh, had going for me. And then when the well kind of dried up because it's not that cute anymore. Um, I went to George Mason University. I always kind of kept all my fingers in as many pies as possible. Um, you know, I was still credentialed locally and was at a bunch of games and was uh, doing shows on Sirius XM radio. I started on the kids station and transitioned over to a teen station and then a baseball channel that I'm still on actually now today um, to host sports shows for them. And this is all like while I'm going to college. And then uh, I started as an assistant to the beat reporter at uh, the fan in DC in 2009. Um, and a uh, year into being kind of the assistant, the guy that I assisted, who was the beat reporter left uh, for another job. And so uh, when he left, I took over as the beat reporter in 2010 and did that for four seasons. And uh, out of that came the gig where I got to be the midday host in 2014 and I did that up until a handful of months ago when uh, me and my co-host Danny moved from middays to afternoon drive. And uh, that's kind of the lay of the land at the fan. It's just awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's been fun to, um, you know, I, I remember I was in Nova at the time I was in uh, community college and I had, um, you know, I'd always listen to your show. I remember getting in so much trouble. I had a job at the gym in Idaho. It was in Leesburg, some, my boss there, she would always get so mad at me because I'd always have my AirPod in. I'd always say, because it was middays, you know, you'd have the 10 to two slots, 10 o'clock would roll around. <laughs> I'd check into work. I'd slide that AirPod in. I mean, she just, the, I mean, how many times I was threatened to be fired. I just had this AirPod in, but I, I had to have Grant and Danny on. Always got to, always got my day start off well. And I mean, I reached I out that. to you as a, as a, oh man. I mean, it was just the best. I loved it. So I reached out to, I think I came out to like some live event and, I just came out and I was like, Hey man, you know, you, you I'm hoping to go to George Mason. I saw you went to George Mason and, um, you know, got to know you. And, you know, we, I think we went out for lunch one time. We got to, you know, you got to talk to me about the industry and kind of coach me out, tell me a little bit about your story. And, uh, it's just awesome. I mean, it's really cool. Cause I think what's unique about your story is how from kind of a, you've got the two like chapters of your life, kind of like you say, right. You got the, the childhood aspect of it that just kind of, gave you some really cool experiences. I'm, I'm going to put in the show notes, the link to the YouTube video of you. And I showed this to Anna. She was laughing so hard. It's like, I showed it to her six or so months ago of you covering the Super Bowl for Letterman. Just one of the funniest things ever. Um, but I'll put that in the show notes for people to see, but, but uh, it's just been cool to watch you um, kind of climb up and hosting afternoon drive in a major market like this. And this time in 10 years, you know, you'll be, you'll be doing even bigger things. So I just appreciate you coming on, man. And uh, I, I definitely want to jump into some NFL stuff. 
Um, you know, this is the time of year June rolls around and it's like, this is the time of year where it's just like, there's just nothing to talk about. Like we over talk about the stories. Like, I mean, you're just like me, like we're obsessed with football. So we'll just be circulating these pictures of dudes walking around in shorts and t-shirts. Just like, look at this guy running routes. He's going to do this and that. And you're just, and this is where the hot takes and the bad takes come out in full fledged. Um, but we're going to get into some of that. Um, but I do have to ask you, I want to get your breakdown because this was one of the coolest things ever. Um, this was literally yesterday. Um, you're you landed one of the best guests you could you could have in sports, honestly, for that matter, culture. Um, but you interviewed Charles Barkley on the show um, some, for some background for people who are kind of not in this area. Your, your co-host, Danny Ruye. He's a he's a great dude, and he's a he's a stand up comedian as well, and he does impressions. Um, did an impression of Charles Barkley went really viral this week. Um, just took off. He landed on you know, NBA on TNT. He um, did a, a Charles Barkley impression. It's just it's the best impression you're going to hear of Charles Barkley anywhere. Like it beats Caliendo, it beats just about anyone out there. But it was just awesome. And uh, yesterday, you got on air and announced at three o'clock Charles Barkley be joining the show. Um, and it was just incredible. It was just the most Charles Barkley interview uh, of all time. But I, I need you to walk me through that before we get into NFL stuff. Um, what was that like interviewing Charles Barkley? Because I know you've, you know, you I mean, Charles Barkley's been in the media life for the better part of, you know, 35, 40 years. It's just, I just feel like he's always been around. Um, but what was that like interviewing Chuck? Like, were you, were you nervous? Um, and what were you expecting when, when he, you know, when you got the news, he's headlining the show, like walk me through that. Yeah. So it was super cool. So a couple things, I mean, number one, we knew he was coming on, you know, we were promoting it obviously, but he was supposed to be calling us and just kind of radio insider thing here. I mean, if someone's calling you as opposed to you calling them as a host, there's it just feels a little bit less certain, like it's going right. to happen. If that makes any sense. Um, not to mention, you know, felt like too good to be true. I mean, yeah. in that we didn't book him through Turner. We didn't book him, um, based on Danny going viral with this impression, someone had reached out and said, you guys should hit up Barkley and send a number our way. And we, we did. And, you know, he was cool and was like, yeah, I'll call in at three tomorrow. No problem. So it just felt like almost too easy and it worked out too well. So, you don't, you just don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, when he was on the line and I knew it was happening, it's, it is a, like a rush, you know, it, it, it feels awesome. Um, so I knew it would be a good interview. I had no idea it would be as good as it was. And what happened was we didn't, th this to me is the best content and this is how it should be. Like, I think you want to be prepared. Like you want to, if you're doing an interview, especially with someone where you got to get to the bottom of something, if you're having a, you know, a head coach on right after a game or, Right. You know, player on after they sign, like you want to have some things in front of you. In this case, there was nothing really that we're having him on to ask him. And that, that was what was, I think, so fun and cool about it was we didn't have like a single thing jotted down. We knew we were going to have Charles Barkley on from like 302 to about 320. You know, so it's our longest segment of the show. We, you know, we're going to keep him if he's cool with it until the end of the segment. And let's, what I call it, throwing the ball around. Like, we're going to just throw the ball around with Charles. And he could not have been cooler and more accommodating. And we didn't really talk basketball at any point during, you know, the interview. Um, to the point where, you know, he, he go, goes on a rant about cancel culture. 
Um, and, and he's just kind of giving his opinion on various little things and where he's telling them great stories. And I mean, he was in no rush and he made it very clear at the beginning of the interview. He was like, yeah, I'm sitting here in Atlanta with not much to do. I'm it's here raining. <laughs> and he's like, it's raining. I can't go golfing. So it was obvious he had his feet up and he was just like inside for the day, waiting until nighttime to talk about basketball on TNT. So, uh, so at the end of the interview, I said to him, I said, thank you. You know, we wanted to talk basketball, but we didn't even get to do that. This was better. And he was like, well, why don't we, if you want to, let's do it. And so I kind of said, well, we got to take a break. You want to hang? He's like, yeah. So it ended up being that there was a miscommunication and, and, he came back on. So we had him on from like three to three twenty. Um, there was, you know, we were going to get him back on at the next segment and it didn't work out. And then we got him back on at four, which is ne- unprecedented. Like you don't have yeah. a guest on like at, at the top, top of each hours, <laughs> you know, like you're literally think about their whole day is now like, okay, at two they're like getting ready to call and it's now four 30 basically. And like, he's finally done dealing with us like that's a that's a chunk out of i wouldn't do that to like my mom you know like (laughs) and and freaking charles barkley it couldn't have been cooler and i'm telling you i mean the stories he told us about everything from gaining 20 pounds in 48 hours to his agent i mean uh, that was one of his agents that ripped him off (laughs) yeah his agent ripping him off uh, Scott Brooks, the, the coach of the Wizards, possibly the guy that may or may not be the coach of the Wizards next year. But, you know, when they played in Philly together, living with him, um, I mean, I could go on and on. But to me, that's that's what I don't even know if I like the term good radio, but like that's what good conversation is. was like, oh, yeah, he like people have, have been praising us and sending us all these notes about how great the interview was. And it's like we you know, we didn't do it like he was great. You know, your mm-hmm. subject determines if the interview is great or not you can right. be really good and you can be really bad but like you could be really bad and do a great interview with someone that's great or you could be really good and it's a terrible interview if someone like he killed he destroyed right. he, he he i think he bats a thousand on that like he's yeah. always gonna be great but he also we caught him on a day where clearly he didn't mind just shooting the breeze and hanging and throwing the ball around and it was one of the coolest things ever man it's just awesome. By the you, way, 23 total minutes with him. Yeah. Like Charles freaking Barkley during the NBA playoffs. It's just crazy. It's just awesome. I mean, it was it was amazing. I think my I think um so two things. I think my my favorite part of the entire interview was actually at the end when <laughs> you were like, ah, it was Charles Barkley. All right, let's collect ourselves and talk about Logan Thomas. It's just like you're very clearly like looking over at Danny, like, I just don't want to talk about Logan Thomas. I want to talk about Charles Barkley. I want to write a book about this. Like, I just, right. I just right. Well, where do you go? I mean, yeah, I the mean, the thing is, like, we got to do our show, we got to do our job. And it's like, this is, this is now Monday again. Like, we lived yeah. this weird fantasy world for the last 90 minutes where we were like fake best friends with Charles Barkley. And that was cool. But like now it's time for life to happen again, you know? Yeah. I got to tell you, man. And I, I, my favorite question you asked him was, um, that was a great one too. You asked him if he was ever like starstruck by anybody or did he ever get nervous around like a celebrity? Um, I can't, it's gotta be my question to you. I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to like, what's the most nervous you've been in an interview? Uh, or, or meeting someone famous. So like, when was the time you got on, on the line? You're just like, Oh man, I'm talking to this guy. That's a great question. Um, so, I mean, it, 
well, for me, I weirdly, I still get like steamed up for any kind of celebrity sighting. I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> I'm huge into celebrity culture and like weirdly into, um, you know, I, I like when I was a teenager, I would like if there was an Us Weekly laying there, I would like pick it up. You know, like mm. if if there's like a uh, one of the Avengers starts dating some new like woman in Hollywood, like I would know about it. I mean, I'm kind of like I don't want to say I follow that stuff closely, and I certainly don't like. It's infuriating to me that some of these people are put on a pedestal who are just like abhorrent and like live these awful lives. Yeah, but, correct. You know, but the people that seem to be good people and do good and like help society, I root for them. But I will say that I am like hugely into celebrity sightings. So like the best example I could give you, if you and I were flying somewhere, like we're going to a bachelor party and we're at like gate 14C or something. And like you said, I'm just going to pick the most random name that comes to mind. But like um, Christopher Walt, Christoph Waltz, is that the guy that was the actor? Am I thinking of the right dude who's like Chris- in um uh yeah Christoph Waltz that's in like Chris- uh, Inglorious Bastards oh yeah. <laughs> but if you said like Christoph Waltz is like yeah. eight gates away and like boarding a plane like I would haul ass eight gates away just to look at him like that's what I'm just trying to, to see like, his face <laughs> right exactly like I'm super into this so I am like super starstruck whenever I'm like if. But out of context, right? Like if I'm at an NBA game and I see an NBA player, that's not that cool. Mm. If I'm at an NBA game and I'm like getting on an elevator to go, you know, upstairs to get in my seat and like Ludacris is on the elevator. Jim Belushi is right up next to you. (laughs) Exactly. Like I would be really excited for that. So, yeah, I guess that's my point. Um, In terms of starstruck interviews, um, I, you know, I, some of the coolest interviews I've gotten to do, you know, still to this day, if I was in person interviewing Cal Ripken Jr., who I've interviewed mm. a dozen times now, probably, I would be starstruck. Um, Jordan would be incredible. Like any of the athletes that I've just always like put on a pedestal. But for me, it's more outside of athletes, like right. outside of sports. So like I would, I would love to meet Denzel Washington. Like I would, oh, dude, Denzel. You know, oh, yeah. I would drive four hours if it, you know, if someone's like, Hey, you got, you got to be there in four hours. You're four hours away. Like stop everything you're doing and take off work today. But you get 10 he's, minutes. He's getting, Denzel. yeah, he's getting bugles at a seven 11 in Germantown. Grant is, is on the car. I mean, he is going 75 and a 45 to get there. <laughs> totally. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, the answer, I guess, is kind of like a lot of people. I mean, you know, I if I haven't met them before, and, and if they, and if it's out of context, that's the big thing. Like I went yeah. to, I never go to the gym at all, as people could tell if they know what I look like. But um, there's a really cool spot in Springfield area in Virginia, Northern Virginia, called the St. James, that me and my oh, wife yeah. belong to. And we went one time. We you can take the kids into daycare and you know shoot basketball, do whatever you're gonna do, and. uh and like Katie Ledecky was walking out of there. And I just thought it was the cool, like my wife was like, that was Katie Ledecky. And I'm like, what? I didn't even notice. Like she was just a, like a girl walking out. Like I didn't even notice. So I'm like running around the parking lot, just trying to get a glimpse of like Katie Ledecky. This is like a year ago. So 
I think that's part of my, like what I love so much about my job or like why, yeah. like it, it's not to me, like, it's not like it had, it hasn't just become work yet. Like I still love this. Like to me, it was super cool the other day when we interviewed Kyle Schwarber and yeah. then that night he had a home run for the nationals. Like I think most radio people don't care about that or like right. wouldn't be necessarily excited to talk to Kyle Schwarber, but like I was like, and that's no different than if it was Trey Turner or Juan Soto or Scherzer or Corbin or like, sure. I watch these dudes every night. Like that's cool to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you, you've had too. I mean, you've had Kevin, I think you, you had Kevin Bacon on the show, right? I know he's a, we did. Yeah, he's a DC really area guy. Yeah, I mean, you've had the sand, the, the cast of, was it the cast of the Sandlot? Did they come up to the studio yeah, at one point? That was super cool. That's just because um, that, that is a childhood was, movie of whenever I think oh, the Sandlot, yeah. I think of Grant Paulson. <laughs> yeah i, I mean, love hearing that that, that was is, um yeah. it was two of the actors it was smalls who obviously was one of the stars of the movie and then um uh, for people that know the sandlot well the pitcher um who um also was in mighty ducks played jesse hall and mighty ducks and those two guys came in and the fact that he was in ducks i just doubled down on my questions for him um, <laughs> but they were in studio and i knew they were coming in a couple days in advance so I wore like a whole decked out Sandlot outfit and brought a baseball glove and like an extra glove. And I played catch with those dudes. And it was just like the coolest thing in the world to say. I played catch with Scotty Smalls, you know. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, looking at Scotty Smalls, um, who is the I believe it's um, Ham, Ham, right? They call him Ham. Um, Ham Porter. Ham Hamilton was Porter. The, the, like the heavy redheaded catcher. Bingo. His was he in studio? Um, he so he made the rounds that day. He was not. It was Smalls and um, the name of the actor I think is Brandon Adams. He played mm-hmm. Kenny DeNunez, which who was like the pitcher. Yeah, yeah. I it's funny because if you look up uh, Hamilton Porter, right, the Sandlot. Yeah, Ham Porter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the actor's like face today is just like the same as his kid face. Dude, it's, it's, it's amazing. And in amazing. Fact, He's kind of, I don't want to say he's made like a comeback, but he's all over social media now because he's like in on kind of poking at himself from the Sandlot. Yeah. So, so he was in other stuff. I, I can't name anything other than the big green off the top of my head. But, um, you know, a lot of people, I think if you're a childhood actor, like, you know, you're in a movie, they shy away from it or they're like, oh, that was a thing I did that time. But like he's posting right. videos where he's like having his kid read lines and, he was making fun of his son, like not knowing how to make a s'more and doing the lines from the sandlot. Like he's really leaning into it. And I, it's like led him to kind of making a little bit of a, like a social media comeback, which is hilarious. Yeah. Cause that's what uh, Macaulay Culkin from home alone, just the same kind of thing on social media, which is just hilarious. It's just, it's funny. Cause I, when you were asking Charles, cause it, it's kind of funny when um, I always like, cause getting to know you when i hear you on the radio it's just funny i, I and i guess and i i know you don't listen to radio and you don't watch tv the same like once you've been on tv you don't watch tv the same you just think about oh what are the people on air thinking oh what's going on behind the scenes like you're just kind of thinking those things so when i was hearing you talk to chuck i was like, gosh i wonder what grant is feeling or thinking it's funny because it just made me back like i remember i remember meeting kenny chesney uh, my dad was singing at an event in arlington national cemetery i am a I love Kenny Chesney. I just, I love him. I'm not a massive country guy, but Kenny Chesney has been my man crush for so long. But I remember how excited I was to meet him. And 
I was so nervous with some of these, but I just, I, I don't know what it was. I just wanted him to like me so much. Like I remember shaking his <laughs> hand and just wanting to do anything I could for him. I just wanted him to be my friend. I don't know what that yeah. gene is. Like I would send him Chick-fil-A seven days a week, including Sunday, just for him to like me. I don't know what that is, but you just, you meet these guys like, dude, can I please go to Top Golf with you? And can I just buy you some like beer cheese queso and we're just going to have fun. I'll drink a Coke Zero, whatever you're drinking, I'm paying for. Can right. you like me? I don't know what that is. It's just, I, no, I, I, just, I get it. You know, <clears throat> I think a lot of it too is like for, you know, because we don't know these people. I think that's another thing is I think when you watch someone a lot, you listen to someone a lot in his case or whatever, like we think we know them. Right. But we really don't. But there's always that feeling of kind of comfort. Like, you know, so much about them. Um, musicians are maybe a little bit different, right? Because not all their songs are like authentic to what's actually going on in their lives, perhaps. But right. for the guys that now with social media kind of live pretty publicly, like you see their animals, you see their family, like you feel like you're in some way in, you know, in the yeah. in the group. So I yeah. get it. Like you, you're like, that's my boy. You know, <laughs> you're like, you want that reciprocated. Exactly. Um, I think that's the real thing. No, it absolutely is. Like you're just sitting there and listen, I'm listening to Kenny Sheds and you just no shoes, no shirt, no problem. I'm like, man, no, I mean, we were drinking a beer on the beach together. Essentially. I was in my car on the beltway, but we were still on the beach together. Like right. the guy knows oh, me. Okay. He should know me. So yeah, it's just, it was great. I mean, I'm going to, um, I'm going to post a link to that as well so that people can get that. Just, you got to listen to, to Chuck with Grant and Danny. Uh, Charles Barkley was just amazing there. Again, Grant and Danny are just they're They're great interviewers because, like you said, you just let the conversation go. You just kind of let him be him. A lot of people kind of like you when you have a good guest on. A lot of people just honestly like the attention. They like the spotlight. They kind of want to be the interviewers kind of want to be the star there, but you guys just, you, you do a day in a day out, but with Chuck, it was just perfect. So I'm going to put the link out there. Cause it's just awesome to listen to. Um, I appreciate it. I mean, and I, 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 it's very nice of you to say, as I said though, and I, I mean this, I mean, that's him, you know, that yeah, was that's all Chuck like, for you. I yeah. think, you know, you could pick a show out of, you know, a hundred out of a hat around yeah. the country and, you know, give them that time with Barkley and it would kill because, yeah. I, you know, I, I think he is an open book. I think he shoots from the hip like he doesn't pull his punches. And I, I think that's why he's awesome. He, he doesn't <clears throat> he doesn't like he's got the governor. I mean, everyone has to or you're going to get in big trouble yeah. in today's day and age in, in broadcasting. It's just really hard. Um, but he is still very honest and i think people respect it they see through the opposite so he just like it felt like three dudes sitting around or catching up who knew each other for a long time and that's kind of the goal anytime podcast you know over the air radio whatever that that's the whole point yeah yeah and uh now you killed it because i mean you, you can tell when you're listening to like an actor, an athlete. And I mean, I know you've conducted a lot of these where they're just so clearly not interested in talking to you. And you're just trying to, there just comes a point where you're like, you're trying to get information from them. And then you get to a point where like, right, I'm trying to get through this segment. It's just kind of like, let me get my yeah, questions yeah. out here and they're going to give me their lip service. And then I'm just going to literally, we're going to talk about, you know, Bohank Alexis. <laughs> it's just like, let's just get out of here. Yeah. But, um, but guys like guys like Chuck, like, I mean, they make your job. They, like you said, I mean, they, they make your job enjoyable. They also make your job, you know, a lot easier. So um, totally. it's great stuff. I'll stick that link up. But um, 
we're going to jump into some NFL questions too. Cause I know we, uh, I'm not going to hold you too much longer. I mean, this is this has been great, but I definitely want to jump into a couple NFL things. So I know I, there was a couple of things I wanted to kind of toss your way. Me and me and my producer were talking about this last episode, but a couple of these questions. But I'd love to get your take on them. Um, we'll just kind of hop around the league a little bit here. So Julio Jones, um, he he he's on his way to Tennessee. So big trade goes down there. Um, you know, arguably the biggest trade, definitely of the uh, of the off season. Um, but, uh, he, he's lined up there with AJ Brown. Do you think in your mind with AJ Brown and Julio Jones, you, you look around the league, you got CD lamb and Amari Cooper in Dallas, you got, you know, OBJ Jarvis Landry in Cleveland, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. Does the Titans top two receivers take the cake in your mind? Do you think that they're going to be the best duo in football? I think so. Yeah. I like a couple of the, those that you named, there's some others, but um, I think the Titans tandem is best because so if I was to rank right now, the 10 best wideouts in football, both of those guys are on the list. Mm. And I actually, for the show uh, a couple weeks ago, did a top five and I had AJ Brown and Julio Jones, like six and seven on the mm. outside looking in, but point being, they could both be, you know, back end of somebody's top five and it wouldn't be egregious. And yeah. you can now have them lining up opposite each other in the same offense. I mean, Ryan Tannehill's a really lucky trigger man. Uh, not to mention he's going to turn around and hand the ball to, to Derrick Henry, you know, 296 times or whatever it's going to be. So right. <laughs> it's it's good to be Ryan Tannehill. I worry a little bit about the tight end position in that offense mm. um, because when you lose John o. Smith, who stretched the field vertically, uh, like they did to New England. And there's going to be some pressure on Anthony Ferkser to step up. And uh, Jeff Swain, who I think used to play here in the division with the Cowboys, is right. their number two at this point. But Jones, while he's in his 30s and older, still has football left. And even if he is no longer you know, the Julio Jones of a couple of years ago, and I don't think you're going to see him catch 120 balls for 1,700 yards again or anything like that. But let's say he's you know 90 catches for 11.75. AJ Brown can give you that or better, you know, as he ascends into his prime. And neither of those guys now can just be doubled and taken away because then you're going to leave the other guy open to feast on somebody in man coverage. So right. I think they're going to complement each other beautifully. And there's no doubt in my mind. While there's some other really good ones, and I think my my favorite duo might be Thielen and Jefferson. Jefferson's so awesome with the oh, Vikings. He's so fun to watch. I love that dude. Uh, but, you know, there's a couple really good ones. I, I just don't think anybody's right there with Jones and Brown. Brown, to me, is one of the two most underrated, probably, players top of my head in football. Like him and yeah. Daniil Hunter, the pass rusher for Minnesota, yeah. um, are the two guys that I think are like all pro types that just get very little attention for whatever reason. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, I think the thing with Tennessee is probably, and you know, you lose Corey Davis, um, you lose Johnny Smith, but I mean, those two, I think, I think in my mind, they're the, they're the best two in football. I think they're going to complement each other perfectly. I, I still think with Tennessee, you know, you lose, you know, Malcolm Butler, Dory Jackson, you lose Kenny Vaccaro. I know Malcolm Butler and Kenny Vaccaro are, are older, but you, you know, you lose your right tackle, Dennis Kelly as well. And I do think that that defense is probably going to take a step back and that'll probably be what holds them back. Um, but I, I like you said, I think they complement each other perfectly. I mean, 
can you imagine being a defensive coordinator each week, just trying to scheme up your defensive backs against those two guys? It's just, well, and, and not only that though, kind of, you're, you're, you know, first things first is Derek Henry. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can't so even true. start your game planning to take away one of those or figure out the receiving situation. Right. Like you have to stop Henry. That's first and foremost. And then with whatever resources you have left, now you've got to commit to game planning against Brown and Jones. I mean, that's yeah. a nightmare. That's I don't think just a total nightmare. A situation for a D coordinator in the league. But for the reason that you said, though, I'm not huge on the Titans as a Super Bowl contender or anything like that. I know some people are, are saying that now. Uh, I, I do think their defense is going to regress. And also, you know, they now paid Ryan Tannehill. This was last offseason, but they've now paid him like an elite quarterback. Mm-hmm. where he's making top-shelf money, and they did the right thing. They had to pay him. They didn't have a choice coming off of the year he had when they got to the AFC title game. Right. But he's, you know, he still is a kind of you know, middle tier. I'm not saying uh, that he's not good. He's very good, and he's played at a top-10 level the last couple seasons. But in the same way that you know, Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins or any of those guys who are good quarterbacks, very good starters, like eventually they get paid, it makes it harder after that. You know, right. if you're paying Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, you know, top of the league type money to, to Ryan uh, Tannehill, that makes it harder. Yeah, it does indeed. No, it does indeed. It's going to be interesting to see how that ends up playing itself out. Cause I, I do think that, yeah, that defense needs, needs some regrouping, but yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, it's, you need a quarterback, but at the same point, I feel like whenever you get that, that, that quarterback with that massive deal, you also start the timer on, all right, I've got a couple guys like we, we talk about in Washington all the time. You know, if you were to go out and sign Matt Stafford, if we were to trade for him, right, obviously because the Rams, you're to trade for him. He comes to Washington. Okay, well, now that Jonathan Allen extension, that looks a little different. The Deron Payne extension that's coming up next year, that looks different. Brandon Sheriff, uh, bye-bye. You know, so it's just like th- those things it, – it's it's always um it's always a juggling match and each year each you know different teams kind of go through it but it's gonna be interesting to see how Tennessee ends up uh, working its way around it and on the topic of those trades um I did this last week with my producer but we we had Julio to Tennessee we had Matt Stafford to the Rams you got Carson Wentz to the Colts and then Orlando Brown to the Chiefs those are the four big ones that kind of come to mind immediately and in your mind I want you to give me of those four what one do you think stands out to you as um, a trade that's going to make the biggest impact for their team? I would say Brown to the Chiefs, honestly, because they're kind of a plug-and-play operation, yeah. and they needed to fix their O-line, and maybe it's more symbolic, not just of him solely, but the fact that they almost entirely refurbished their offensive line. I mean, the Super Bowl letdown for them is very obviously a story of they just couldn't hold up and block and pass protection. There's not a whole lot more to it than that. The Bucs right. dominated them at the line of scrimmage. And you could say, well, it was a bad game plan or this or that. No, they just hurt. They didn't have either of their tackles. Their interior line was decimated. So they went out and they spent money and, and made trades, and they completely fixed their offensive line. And that was kind of the lone blemish, I believe, in Pat Mahomes. You know, I think that guy's going to be yeah. in, the, in the final four, year in and year out in the conference. So. I lean that way. The one I'm most fascinated by, I wouldn't like say it's it's the move that'll make the impact because I'm I'm just not sure yet if this guy can recover. But I really am intrigued to see Carson Wentz in Indianapolis. Yeah, me too. Wentz early on, people forget 
He was really good. And when he got hurt the year the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, I, I believe that if he didn't get hurt, he would, you know, have carried them to the Super Bowl. They still would have won it. And, you know, they were on a magical carpet ride. He was better than Foles. Now, it just so happened Foles made all those huge plays and, and is going to go down in history as, as a legendary legendary Eagles like playoff performer. But that year, Carson Wentz, when he got hurt, had 33 touchdowns with, like, games to go and yeah. was maybe the front runner for the MVP award in the league, like, a couple of years in. Um, right. and he was broken last year. I mean, I watched a lot of him. He was not able to – complete very basic passes he was seeing ghosts in the pocket like he was a shell of himself and it was you know you needed to, to basically unplug and plug back in the router and the, the unplug and, and now plug back in is happening in indianapolis so yeah. i want to see if he can can get right but people just act like he stinks and that's just not the case i mean they had they didn't have enough of a supporting cast they, they couldn't protect him they had an awful offensive line it's very clear their culture, for whatever reason, went sour after the Super Bowl and was rotten from the core out. Like, I, I just think he was – he might have had a lot to do with it, but he was also a victim of some circumstance. Right. And I I like his game. Like, he's what works in the league. He's got a big arm. He's mobile. He extends plays. Uh, he can create off schedule. I, I'm, a, I'm a Wentz guy, and that's not to say he didn't stink last season. But he's back with a coach who's done a lot of good for him. So I'm excited to see what happens with him and Reich linking back up. Yeah, I mean, them linking back up is going to be fun to watch, too. And I, and I do think this is a conversation that, like, we've seen this play. I mean, God, have we seen this play on Washington with, you know, RG3 and Haskins? I think there's always two conversations with those guys, right? You talk about, oh, man, is is Carson Wentz physically able to do this? And is he mentally able to do this in Philadelphia? And I think that those are two different things that were probably, he was hurt. Obviously he did not have a supporting cast. I don't think anyone was really going to succeed, you know, much more than what Carson Wentz or, you know, what Jalen Hurts was doing last year. Um, But I I do think that there's that other conversation with Wentz is like, did, does, you know, does a change of scenery mentally reset him? Like you said, does that unplug the router and plug it back in mentally for him to kind of check back in? Maybe, maybe just literally a new state, a new team getting back with Frank Reich. Um, maybe that's a missing piece. Who knows? But I mean, we saw this with Dwayne Haskins where you're like, this guy has arm talent. Have we seen much of it? No, but very clearly he's mentally not checked in to doing what he needs to do to be a professional quarterback. So does it change the scenery? Just going to Mike Tomlin, maybe backing up for a year or two up there and maybe competing for a starting job next offseason. Does that help him? Who knows? But I do think that those are two conversations. I think we try to have maybe one or the other conversation. That's usually a lot of people talk about, oh, Carson Wentz, he sucks. He just doesn't have it anymore. And you go, well, like you said, maybe maybe it's just a change of scenery that kind of resets both mentally and that he can kind of get back up to his physical capabilities. But, I mean, we watched here in Washington. He just torched us in 2017. Um, and he's just remarkable. I mean, he's such a remarkable athlete. So that's going to be fun to watch. Um for sure. I mean, yeah, I got to. Yeah. I find it hard to believe that a guy can go from as talented as he was to just broken. And people yeah. will say, well, that happens from time to time, or they'll use it like Robert Griffin as an example. And I just, I think that's a flawed comp. Mm-hmm. I don't, like, I don't think it's the same thing. Like Carson Wentz from the pocket as an NFL passer was not only satisfactory, but was well above adequate and was like on his way again to playing at like an MVP level. This wasn't smoke and mirrors. This wasn't using read option or some 50 series, you know, design that, that, you know, uh, Kyle Shanahan came up with in a laboratory. Like this was, 
this was real football. You you know what's happening. Stop him. And he was making all the throws. And now that doesn't happen anymore. And I just you just don't see that like vanish as quickly as it did and not come back typically. So I definitely think it was worth it for the Colts to roll the dice here to, to sure. take a balanced try at this. And the other thing is, I mean, they're good. Like they have a great defense. They run the ball really well. They've got weapons in the passing game. I mean, it's a good soft landing spot for him. Um, but it, you know, they're putting a, a lot of chips in the middle of the table because they're legitimately capable, I think, of making a Super Bowl run. And they could have gone in other directions or been players in other sweepstakes, Stafford or anything else. And and they decided they were going to make a push for Wentz. So they've been really great as a front office led by their GM, Chris Ballard, who's outstanding. Like if you ever just want to look at a team that doesn't have a single bad contract, it's crazy. Yeah, them it's up amazing. But like they, they've now put their eggs in this basket and it's got to work or else everything else that has been really well done, like doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. And I'm actually kind of curious to double click a little bit on your comp with RG three, because you were there, you were on the beat um, in 2012. You were, you were able to kind of see that up up and close. Um, I'm curious as to what your kind of take on was RG three, like an example of, do you think that way? Cause I guess what I'm trying to say is was his decline like like you said, was it a uh, hundred to zero, a physical decline that he just physically couldn't do it, that he couldn't pass in the pocket as well? Maybe 2012 was an anomaly. Or was it a little bit of kind of what I was saying was half mental, half physical? You were able to see that. I mean, you were on the beat. You were there each day. You were you were watching that up close. Like, talk to me about what the fall of RG3 was and kind of what how that compares to maybe Dwayne Haskins or Carson Wentz. Yeah, with him... So, number one, it's impossible not to at least acknowledge and to suggest in some way that the injuries that he sustained took a physical toll. Um, I don't think that's, you know, why he became a backup soon after or is out of the league at this moment. But it's certainly a factor in his regression. I mean, he went from being kind of this all world athlete to, to kind of being a little bit more human right after those injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I still think he had plenty of, of tools, right. The athleticism, the speed, all those things. Uh, the, the issue I think for him was that, and there, I mean, we could do probably a, a five hour podcast with like yeah. 20 episodes on this. Right. But oh, yeah. I guess the cliff notes to me would be, there was a lack of comfort. For day from day one that developed between he and the coaching staff. And I think in his mind, he was nervous and or worried about the relationship perhaps between the Shanahan's and Kirk Cousins, who is the backup. Um, as I look back, I really think that's the case because I, I went back, this has been years now, but I found like a, a press conference from a preseason game. I think they played the Bears at FedEx Field. And he was asked about like cousins who was drafted in the same draft as him in the fourth round, leading the team on a couple of drives. I don't remember if they came back and won or what. And like, you know, he was rooming with cousins and they were learning the offense together. And you'd think they're like buddies and just kind of kicking it. And he like almost kind of refused to like give him a compliment. And it just was like weird. And I don't remember at the yeah. time thinking anything of it, but you look back now and you're like, okay, there was a weird dynamic there. 
And as hindsight's become wisdom for me and, and all the conversations of that subsequently, you know, I think Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan really liked Cousins. I think, you know, maybe the way I've, I've heard it from the Shanahan side of things, you know, I think it was more of a, not that they didn't want Robert Griffin at all, but it was definitely a Dan Snyder decision that they went along with and were, were on board with that this is the guy. And they weren't convinced or sure. And so they said, okay, well, our fallback option is we're going to take this guy to Michigan State in the fourth, who we think fits our system really well. And while 2012 was a massive success, mostly for Griffin, and he was the rookie of the year and had one of the best seasons for a rookie quarterback ever, I mean, it looked like they were well on their way. There was tension, there was drama, and they ran a different offense you know, with Cousins than they ran with Griffin. And I don't think Griffin liked that. Griffin didn't want to be known as a running quarterback. It's a shame that like Griffin didn't come out now because nowadays like Lamar Jackson is like who everybody wants to be. Like everyone's looking for um, like the, the playmaker who like Josh Allen's runs, makes plays all over the place with his feet. But Griffin wanted to be known as a pocket passer. Like I remember having conversations with him where I would either use a comparison or, or talk to him about like who he wanted to be comp to. And he would always say like Aaron Rodgers. Like he, he didn't want to be viewed as like a dual threat or like a scrambling quarterback at right. all. And I don't know why that is, but it just, it, it was something like he didn't enjoy. And so I don't know that he loved the fact that like the Shanahan's had him run as much as he did. And when cousins played, like you saw it when he started a game against Cleveland or he came in against Baltimore, like it was a completely different like pocket offense. Um, but the Shanahan's would tell you, or at least Mike would probably tell you, like Robert Griffin wasn't ready to do that. He couldn't make those reads and he couldn't run that offense. And we're going to do what he can do well. And they did. I mean, the guy was a freaking rookie of the year and he was incredible. Yeah. He deserves credit. They deserve credit. So I, I think that was a lot of it. Then he gets hurt and like the, the relationship's completely fractured. And then that off season, as the legend has it, You know, he goes in and basically tells them what plays he won't run anymore, what part of the playbook's getting torn out. Now, Mm. you know, that's a he said, he said kind of situation. Exactly. He may say, I didn't do that. They say he did. Um, You know, they say Dan Snyder had his back and all this stuff. So the rest, as they say, is history. But I I think to me, that was where the drama kind of began was that rookie season, even though everything was awesome and we didn't really see it. Maybe there were some things bubbling below the surface and at the end of the day the bottom line was you know they wanted to bring him along at a pace and to a point where he was going to be a credible certifiable nfl pocket passing option they just didn't think he was ready to do that coming out of baylor and um you know they thought it would take a couple years and and he didn't necessarily want to run with what they had him running you know is the way i view it yeah it's fascinating. I mean, it's fascinating. And I love talking to you about this kind of stuff and just getting the insider's view of it because from the outside versus kind of what you saw on the beat, kind of being in the building and seeing the dynamics and seeing kind of the relationships. It's funny because it always ends up coming out um, over time, especially for us fans. We're able to kind of see it from a distance, but um, it's cool. Like, you know, you picking up on just certain things as it's going on. And it's the best part about being in a beat. And that's why I love having you on the show. Um, but I'm not going to keep you too much longer. I do want to go through kind of in a fire round here, just the NFC East. I just a couple more questions for you. Um, I'm going to stick in the NFC East because uh, I know some people are interested in hearing that, especially in this area. I want to start in the Big Apple real quick. Do you think this is a do or die year for Daniel Jones? You know, they go out and get Kenny Galladay. They go out and get John Ross. Saquon's coming back healthy. 
is this a put up or shut up year for Jones? Do you think the Giants, you know, is, is this kind of the year that they say, you know, this is a playoff or nothing role for him? Or, or do you think they feel like they have their man long term? What do you think? They may do the playoff or nothing kind of thing. You know, you know me just from our own conversations and from listening. Like, I, I'm really big on evaluating quarterbacks individually and not necessarily with the team success. Mm-hmm. So, like, he could be really good and they could miss the playoffs. Having said that, unequivocally, this is a massive season for him, and it's probably a now or never season uh, for New York. Like, he, he might go somewhere else next year if they move on and get an opportunity to compete or something and, and end up having a nice second stay where he's a, a several-year starter. Uh, but – yeah, you go get him Galladay to go with Slayton and with, you know, Dante Pettis and Sterling Shepard, and they drafted Tony in the first round, and they still have, uh, you know, at the tight end position, Evan Ingram, and they brought in Kyle Rudolph, and they get Saquon Barley, Barkley back. Like, last year, I thought their skill position group was one of the worst in the league. Yeah. I thought it was awful. Uh, and, and you know, people kill this guy, and, and I get it. He wasn't playing well, and he turns the ball over too much, and that's on him. But like people fail sometimes to look at supporting cast for a young quarterback. If you have a bad supporting cast, if you're part of a bad offense and you're a young QB, you really have no chance. You just don't. Yeah. So now by signing Galladay, by drafting Tony, um, but you know, bringing in John Ross for his straight line speed, all the stuff they did, like a lot of the excuses for me go away. He's got to protect the football. That's the thing that you, you can't blame on anyone else that he has not done well enough. And uh, and they got to win more games with him at the controls. But I, I think if if he can make a big step forward, whether they make the playoffs or not, like they're going to feel like they're in good shape. His rookie year, when you look back, like there were a lot of strong games in there. He had like three or four games where he had like three touchdowns or more and no picks or something. Um, he had some gems. Last year, he took a massive step backwards. Like It was really disappointing, I think, for the Giants organization. But I don't think it was necessarily just him. I think their offense was a problem. So uh, it's a huge year for him there. Yeah, it's a big year for him. And um, to be honest with you, I, I 100% agree. I think the thing that, that I most resonate with you and you preach this all the time as a quarterback wins and losses thing is the most infuriating bit that people continue to just lap up. <laughs> and I just, it's just, it they just makes it. it. They love it, man. Twitter loves it. Um, general morons love it. Um, but let me tell you, man, it's just, I, I think the hundred percent, you can, um, you can evaluate your quarterback. You can have a good quarterback, a growing quarterback, a formational quarterback and still go six and 10. And that's, that's okay. I think you can have, you can walk and chew gum. Right. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch with him um, a little further South in Philadelphia. Do you think the Eagles have a chance of Jalen hurts or is this a year of rebuild regardless in Philly? I think it's a re like, even if he's good, I think it's a rebuild year um, because like they're not gonna, well, they could, I, I would be stunned if they're quickly back in the playoffs this season. So first things first, on Hertz, I have no idea what to expect, but I don't personally, based on what I saw, think he's the guy at all. Yeah. He struggled to throw the football at times. Like his numbers, if you look at him, were particularly impressive. Um, there were a lot of things going against him. So I'm certainly going to give him more time before I decide what he is or what he isn't. But based on what I've seen, if you're asking for a quick eval, I was not overly impressed. Um, 
Flacco's his backup, so it's not like he's going to get pushed. It's not like he should get benched. They should give that guy 18 weeks and 17 games and see what he is at the end of the year. You know, he too hasn't, didn't have the help and like may not. I think Devontae Smith, who they drafted in the first round out of Alabama, is going to be awesome. They're going to have a much better offensive line. Um, they need Jalen Rager to take a huge leap this year. I like Travis Fulgham, who's a, a local guy from where we're from in the Broad Run High School. Uh, yeah. Virginia, you know, they, they got decent players. They, they got one potentially great player on offense in Devontae Smith and Miles Sanders is terrific at running back. Um, but they still don't have enough kind of like what we were talking about with Daniel Jones, but you should be able to at least tell by the end of the year, like if he can play or not, if he's a franchise QB. Um, but yeah, to me that they got, they got, they're old, they got some bad contracts. They've done a pretty good job this off season, you know, getting out of some of that, um, situation, but. I, I've got them as fourth in the division right now going into the season. Yeah, that's where I'm at. And I do think that aging roster has just been something. They just held on to that Super Bowl roster so much longer than they should have. You just feel like and a lot. Look, I mean, so many teams do this. It's just so hard not to. When you relive the glory, you go all the way and you just want to run it back with your guys. But, you know, when you're when you're trying to run it back with, you know, Jason Peters at 37 or 38, Darren Sproles. 38 and Deshaun Jackson or whatever, Jason Kelsey, Malcolm, just, you go through the list and they're all, you know, these guys are over, over 30. Um, yeah. I mean, that aging roster did not serve them well. So I do think they're hundred percent they're in for a rebuild. And uh, I, I hate that. I have to watch Devonte Smith torch the skins two times a year. It's just not going to be fun at all. But, um, but I think they're, they're probably uh, they're due to go down before they go up again. Um, but my final question for you is just going to return back to DC. Um with kind of all we've talked about um, with, with this team, I mean, obviously with that defense, we don't know what the deal is, with the quarterback situation, but you've got Ryan Fitzpatrick in here. Do you think they run it back? Uh, are they the team to win the NFCs twice in a row? So my answer to that, I'll answer with the question would be, what is Dallas's defense going to be? Yeah. Because I think the Cowboys offense is potent. And with Dak Prescott coming back, I think they're able to score 30 points a lot of weeks. Is Dallas's defense middle of the pack somehow? Like, is there a massive upgrade just by going from, you know, the defensive coordinating situation a year ago was Mike Nolan, who wasn't good enough for them. They moved on and they brought in Dan Quinn. Like, is, is that worth an upgrade? And, and then, you know, they drafted – Michael Parsons in the first round, did they make enough moves to improve it? You know, they've got so much money invested on offense that obviously that side of the ball is going to have to carry the load. Um, but if their defense can be adequate, I think the Cowboys can win like 10, 11 games, which in this division, I think 10 and seven, 11 and six, you know, would, would win the division, but I could easily see that our defense being bad and them going eight and nine or something like that, seven and, you know, 10, I don't know. You got, you got to help me with the math. Oh, dude, I'm going to be struggling that for a year for a long time. It's going to be terrible. I just, so bad. You know, the, the numbers used to like roll off your tongue and now you so actually easy. have to like think about it. And I feel like I need a calculator. Dude, I but, literally uh, took algebra two twice. I took algebra one twice. I can't <laughs> do math, anything, anything to do with putting more than one-on-one together. Just, I'm going to take a lap. You all figure it out. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not fun. They, they, they I was used to 16 like everybody else, and now i got to actually give it some thought. But, I mean, Washington's really well positioned, man. They are. Um, 
the only concern I have for them is is their schedule is way tougher. Yeah. You know, we, we look at them as a division champion last year, and they were only really a division champion in name, not to yeah, club by them, default. Right? Yeah. It was a bad division. I mean, they were a sub five hundred team, bottom line. So generally, you know, you're you should be playing like a third place schedule based on that talent. They're playing a first place schedule. That normally doesn't bode well. That's part of why nobody ever repeats in the NFC East. Um, because a lot of the time you don't have a great division champion and the next year you level up in weight class, which is what they're going to have to do. Now, the good news is they've had an awesome offseason. I really like what they did. Um, I think going and getting Curtis Samuel will make them more explosive, which they needed. I'm banking on a big year from Antonio Gibson in the backfield, uh, both as a rusher and a pass catcher. I think they've dramatically upgraded at quarterback. I'm not a huge Fitz guy. I'm, I'm not throwing a party like, you know, He's an MVP candidate all of a sudden. Like it seems like everyone's doing because he's played better the last couple of years. But, and because he has a beard. And because he has a beard and chest hair that sticks out, right? But Alex Smith is um, you know, he at the you know, what the version of Alex Smith we got last year is, is just, you know, he can't give you what I think Fitzpatrick can to move the football, to stretch the field, to make some plays vertically. So like, I'm pumped about what their offense could look like under Scott Turner in year two. Like you would just as an example, you had Cam Sims as Terry McLaurin's number two at wide receiver last year. And like Cam Sims may or may not see the field yeah. early this season if, if all goes according to plan. Like that that speaks to how much better they are. Um obviously 60% of the O-line's rebuilt, but I, I think Flowers at left guard will be good. I think Leno should be every bit as good or a little better than Lucas was last year, and Cornelius Lucas played well. I didn't like letting Morgan Moses go, but kicking Lucas over to the right side, if he plays like he did last season, uh, he'll be league average. Um, and, and then their defense, everyone knows about you know, Young, Payne, Allen, Sweat, Ionitis, Settle up front. Worry a little bit about the secondary at the safety position. Um, but you, you draft Jamin Davis. You know, they don't have the depth I like at linebacker, but you got Holcomb, Bostic, and Davis in the second level, really, really good. So they got all the pieces, man. There's – on paper, I would say that you'd have to make them the favorite. But it's just been so long since we've seen a team go back-to-back in the East. Yeah. But I almost feel like my default should be, like, pick the Cowboys by a game and see what happens. But there's there's no reason why they shouldn't win the division with their talent and the momentum coming out of last year and all the good vibes and, and like, the positive culture movement they got going. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think they they knocked the draft out of the park. I, I still think they reached on Jamin Davis ever so slightly. But, I mean, I'll take Jack Del Rio's evaluation on a linebacker and Ron Rivera's evaluation on a linebacker over mine. But Deami Brown taking him in the third round, Sam Cosme falling to you in the second. I mean, it's just as good as it gets. And, um, yeah, I'm excited. And I know people here in, in D.C. are going to be excited for, for this year as well. But uh, – it's at Grant H. Paulson on Twitter. Grant, where else can we follow you? Where else can we find you? Where, or, or can we find you at like, is there a store you're at each day that people can just kind of <laughs> see you walking around? Where can we get your stuff? Yeah. So you mentioned it, Grant H. Paulson on Twitter and uh, same name, Grant H. Paulson on Instagram. And uh, yeah, listen to the show from uh, 2, 630 every day on the fan. And uh, that's about it, man. 
Dude, you've been great. I really appreciate this. After uh, after a long day, you've been uh, you've been so generous with your time, and it's just, it's just always great to catch up with you, man. Are are you doing a little late night snack in action before bed? Or are you headed to bed? What's the deal? What do you What's your plan? It's a great question. I don't know that I was going to, but now you asked. I might um, I might do that. Yeah, we've. I know I've got two options. We've got um, there is a Trader Joe's. I don't even know what they're called. It's like a brookie, maybe. It's like Mm. in a little case and it's like half brownie half cookie um <laughs> so i could either do that do one of those or i could go into the freezer and we've got this like trader joe's like it's almost like a thin mint with peanut butter or something like that wow and that's frozen because that's the only and best way to eat something like that obviously everyone yeah. knows that so yeah, maybe you I'll don't want that warm two of those. yeah dude that's the move anna walked in with that big cost speak of costco uh, she walked in with that nice bucket of M&Ms, peanut M&Ms. Um, oh, nice. Dude, there's a couple fistfuls that are about to go down. But uh, I, I want to make sure you get to that ice cream. But uh, Jeepers, man, you're the best. Thank you so much. I uh, I owe you dinner. And honestly, how about we'll go to Costco sometime. We'll go to the food court. We'll we'll hit up. Uh, we'll do a little food review on it. I know people like food reviews on this podcast. We do a lot of food reviews. So maybe we'll food review one time a uh, chicken bake. It'll be on the house. I like that. I would be in on that. All right. Here's what I'm going to do, though. So my dog's name is Fiona. It's a French bulldog. And uh, she's been sleeping next to me this entire interview. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try not to wake her up, but she's snoring really loud. So I want you to hear Fiona snoring real quick. Give it to me right now. All right. Hold on. Let's see. I don't want to wake her up. Let's see. I think I poked her in the nose with the phone, unfortunately. She is a 10. You know, it's so funny. I mean, so so Grant on Instagram, you follow him on Instagram, you're going to see Fiona, the Frenchie. You follow me on Instagram, you're going to see Doug the Pug. Let me tell you, you follow both of us on Instagram, and our stories are going to be next to each other, and you're just going to go from Fiona to Doug, back to Fiona, back to Doug. And by the way, Frenchies, Pugs, the sounds they make, just make life worth living. I'm just, people go, oh, they snore, oh, they're loud. They're a 10. There you go. That's Fiona. She the good thing is she gets right back to sleep. But I'm with you. Uh pugs are like the uh maybe like the second cousin of the French Bulldog. Because I always say the French Bulldog's cousin is the Boston Terrier. Mm. And I completely made this up. Like uh, nobody that knows anything about dogs ever told me this. But um I think Boston's look a lot like Frenchies. Oh yeah. Um, and so I kind of think they're cousins. So I'm gonna say the pug is like a secondary cousin of some type because of the you know, same kind of deal, right? They're like the, the scrunched up base and some of the breathing issues. But <laughs> some of the love, high vet bills. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We love pugs. Um, we were debating between a pug and a Frenchie. We went Frenchie because theoretically they're supposed to shed less. Oh, oh dude, Doug's shedding. Because I, I had no idea you were so in on pugs when I texted you the night that we got Doug, and you were you were you were thrilled. I mean, you I, oh, I had dude, no idea you had such pugs. a file on pugs. I love pugs. So, first of all, my my daughter watches a show called Puppy Dog Pals. Have you ever heard of it? Oh, you said dude, you sent me the theme song, the puppy dog pals. Couldn't yeah. I, and you it ruined my night. <laughs> you ruined my dude, night. it's <laughs> such a good song. So 
this this show is about two pugs named Bingo and Rolly who go on adventures and they got this uh, their owner is a guy named Bob. He makes up inventions. Um, but anyway, I'm just rehearsing the theme song now in, in, in word form. But um, I, uh, I, because of that, like my, my daughter's hooked on pugs. So we got all kinds of little pugs, creatures and statues and stuffed animals all over the place. And and my wife's family, she came up with, with pugs and like her cousins all have pugs still and everything. So we're we're in on pugs big time. I'm just, you know, the only reason we didn't get one, I just can't do all the shedding. I hate like oh, dog hair shit. everywhere. So, and I thought Frenchies don't shed at all. And that's not true. They shed a little bit, but it's, it's not like pug level. You know, like people with like golden retrievers, like God bless golden retrievers, whatever. But like, you just have hair all over your ass. And like, I just, oh, yeah. I love a dog, but I, I, I need a dog that sheds less than that. Yeah. So I don't know. You'd have to tell me if pugs shed like on a one to 10 scale, is it like over a six or can I like deal? Oh, dude, here's the pro it's, it's deaf. I mean, Doug right now. So we're in the worst of it, right? You get the spring to summer situation where the, the, the molting starts going on. You get rid of the winter coat, you get the thinner coat out. And I mean, dude, right now it's like an eight. And it's like, I had a lab and a golden and the two of them were just creating fur factories just every day. I mean, our yeah. vacuum was just screaming at one point to stop. But Doug, Doug's like doing this labs bit. aren't as bad as Goldens with shedding. Uh, Goldens. No, Goldens are worse because Goldens have the really long, long hair. They get the thick, long hair. And it's just, oh, dude, it's just, it's just the worst thing of all time. It's the worst thing of all time. But, uh, but you know what? You still, you still love them. And they don't, dro- you know, people are like, oh, the Goldens drool, labs drool. I got a Golden in a lab. They didn't drool. They were just great. But let me tell you about you that. Out. Some of them do drill. Some of them do drill. I came up with labs. Uh, we had labs, chocolate, black lab, from when I was, you know, a baby to when I left my house at 18. I was always a lab guy. It wasn't until we got a dog named Champ Bailey. Um, with, the <laughs> same name, yeah, with the same name as the former Washington football team corner. And nothing, it was just completely random. By the way. No, that's just a joke. But um, yeah, so Champ Bailey was a palm chihuahua. But other, until him, it was all labs all the time. But I, I'll never probably go back to a big dog unless I like somehow live in a house with a big yard somewhere, which I, I can't envision because of what places cost in the D.C. area with any kind of grass. So yeah. I'm a, I don't think I'm like by default a small medium dog guy. So it's French bulldog time right now. Dude, I get it. I'm telling you, when you when your family expands and you feel like the Frenchie, maybe you get another Frenchie, maybe you get a pug as well. You want to come out to Loudoun County and get a little yard? I'm here for you. That's right. You're my guy. I like you. (laughs) I love it. Jeepers. You're the best, man. I really do appreciate it. I hope uh, everyone enjoyed this as much as I did. This is just a blast. And hey, anytime you want to come on and just chat food, chat life, chat pugs, just jump on. We're always here for you. But uh I really appreciate it as always. It's at Grant H. Paulson on Twitter, everybody. Um, give him a follow. He's just the best. Again, catch him 2 to 6.30 in D.C., 106.7. The fan. Jeepers, you're the best. Really appreciate it, man. Appreciate you, Connor. Thanks, bud. And we'll talk soon, brother. We'll be Take right care, back man. on After Further Review. Again, a huge thank you goes out to Grant Paulson for joining us today. Had so much fun catching up with him. That Charles Barkley interview was so funny. You have to make sure you check it out. Him and Danny were just great 
Uh, Charles Barkley is just vintage Charles Barkley. So if you didn't catch that on the radio, you can do a couple things. You can go on to Apple Podcasts to search Grand Danny. You can go on to Spotify, search Grand Danny as well. Um, you can download the Odyssey app. If you had the radio.com app, it did update and become the Odyssey app. Um, so if you have that, you can check out their show page, Grand Danny, and you'll find the segment information there. Um, it was just a great time. We had so much fun catching up, and I had a blast listening to the interview. I know you guys will as well. Um, that should be everything for episode 13. Next week, Sean Olette will join us again from North Carolina. But a reminder again, if you guys are enjoying the show, um, if you're enjoying the guests, if you're enjoying moving the chains, if you're enjoying uh, any aspect of the show, um, leave, a, leave a review, leave a five-star review. Um, like on Facebook, share on Facebook. Uh, it's After Further Review Pod on Instagram. Give us a follow. Um, give us a shout. Um, we love more than anything uh, interacting with you guys, and I love um, hearing from you all. And again, it's mailbag at connorforest.com. That's where you can reach us with any questions, any comments. Um, and we'll make sure we give you a shout on air. But you guys are the best part of this podcast. And as we continue to grow, um, as our uh, guests just continue to kill it, and you know, each of our episodes just are so much fun. Um, they're quite literally nothing without you all listening and supporting uh, and sharing a kind word. It, it means absolutely everything, and we love you all more than you know. So that is episode 13 in the books. Episode 14 comes to you next week live from the Commonwealth of Virginia. Shani Oled joins us again next week. But for Grant Paulson, for me, Connor Forrest, this is After Further Review. We'll catch you all next week, and as always, I'll catch you all on the other side. Thank you.